Hey, this is Josh Brown, and we had some technical difficulties last night, but we really felt the need to go ahead and get our podcast up and get all the information uh, to you guys out there that are subscribers or you listen to our podcast every week. And we've been in this series called We Are Overflow, and uh, in this series we've been kind of talking about our identity as a church and who we are. And so I just kind of wanted to go over the notes uh, this morning and, and, and share with you guys where we're at and who we are and kind of some things that will help you uh, in relationships and things like that. The, the title of this week's message is, is The People and Who We Are as the People. Last week we talked about Overflow Church, the purpose and who we are in the kingdom of God and, and what the kingdom is and what that looks like when it's being applied in our lives. And this week we're talking about the people because you can't really have a church without people. In fact, Overflow Church is not its not a building, it's not a meeting time, it's a, it's a gathering of people, people that come together that have a, a common purpose and a common desire. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 10, it says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more is you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you are offering spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those that reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is a stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you have received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And this is so crucial for us to identify with as children of God as the body of Christ that to understand that once we were not a people but now we are the people of God there's a we're a specific race of people we're a breed of people we're the people of God we're not ordinary people we're God's people and, and I think that is so crucial for us as believers to recognize and remember that hey man we are not just people on a planet we are God's people on a planet we God has an agenda for our lives God has a plan uh to us, God has a plan through us, so uh, we just encourage you in that, that you would be a purpose, a person, person of purpose because you are God's person. Um, one of the things that I love in our society today is social media. Uh, I love to be able to connect with people that I haven't seen their face in over 20 years. I, I love relationships. We, Leslie and I, we have friends all over the world. We feel like we're pretty decent at relationships and we, we we consider ourselves very rich in that area, and, and we love connecting, you know, with social media because it allows uh, that to happen and really provides a way for us to stay connected somewhat with people. But I think in the society that we're in, we we struggle a little bit because there's we're losing uh, the element of of interacting 
on a face-to-face -face level. And what's happening in our in our society is we're becoming very socially challenged. We we can't communicate, and and so what's happening is is all of our communications being done. Um, through type, all of it's being done uh, through writing, but there's no emotion, there's no gesture being communicated. So what's happening is we're losing at least half of the communication because studies show that that most of communication has very little to do with the actual words that we're saying, but but how we're saying it, and and so things are being misunderstood, and and there's just this gap between what real communication is and what real relationship is because we're losing the ability to connect face to face with people. And so we're challenged in in our society socially. And uh you know as I was saying Leslie and I have friends all over the world and we love to connect with them. And uh you know we feel like that we're pretty good at this. We're obviously we're not perfect, but but we're pretty good at relationships and we consider ourselves very rich by the people in our life. Those that those that have invested into our life, people that we're sharing life with and people that we are pouring our life into. And in fact, you have, let me remind you that you have three types of relationships in your life. You do have those that are imparting to you, someone like a Paul, someone that is imparting or investing into your life. We all should have a, a Jonathan or a Barnabas in our life, one that we are sharing life with that's just there for encouragement that, you know, we're in fellowship with one another and we're, we're at the same place in life. And then and then there's those people that we're pouring our life into, the Timothys of our life, someone that we're investing in and imparting into. So I think that these are, are crucial uh, types of relationships in our life. And I think that if, if we don't have these three elements, someone that we're investing in, someone that we're sharing life with, and then someone uh, that's also investing in us, then I, I believe that our relationship tank is somewhat empty and that we're not really fulfilling what God's called us to do in the area of our relationships. And we'll find ourselves empty if we're not nurturing these type of relationships. So I want to look at Genesis chapter 2. And if you study, just look at the story of creation, you'll see that God's creating the heavens and the earth and he's saying it's good and God's creating the animals and people and he's saying it's good. And we have this picture of God creating everything and at the end of the day he's saying it's very good. But in Genesis chapter 2, something different happens. God's language changes. It says that God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And God commanded them, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, and here it is, it is not good for the man to be alone. Isn't it interesting? For the very first thing that God says in all scripture that wasn't good was that man was alone. See, we were never created to be alone. We were never we we were never purposed to be alone. In fact, God says, "I will make a helper who is just right for him." He says, "It's not good that he's alone, so I'm going to make someone to help him." Adam had a mandate. He had he had a destiny in his life, but it could not be fulfilled alone. He had to have someone come alongside of him. And I think absolutely that this applies in the area of marriage, but I think it covers all areas of relationships in our life. So, at Overflow, we believe that relationships are crucial. We believe that they're absolutely necessary. And I wanted to go over the five things. We've got a lot of list uh, on this on this message that we're going to be uh, going over. That's not normally my style to have a bunch of lists, but it's a little bit more of a a seminar, if you will, on on relationships. But at Overflow, we believe first of all that relationships are God's idea. 
We believe that, that it was not good for man to be alone, that it was not working out, that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be able to do. So we, we recognize that relationships, and we believe that relationships are God's idea. Secondly, we believe that healthy relationships are non-negotiable. Um, so our desire is that we want to help people nurture good, godly, growing relationships. Um, Leslie and I had been at a point in our life where, you know, we had people that were pouring into our life and we had people that we were pouring into, but we didn't have anybody that we were really sharing life with. We didn't really have anybody that was uh, in our life on a, you know, weekly basis that we were, you know, that were raising their kids at the same time that we were, that, you know, had interests like that we had. And so what happened is, is we were becoming very unhealthy, not even uh, realizing it. We were, we felt like we were doing everything that God called us to do. We were giving our life away to people. We were receiving life from other people, but we weren't really, we didn't really have a community of people that we were really connected with that we would really just call friends. And, um, We've learned that that is so crucial. So here at Overflow, we recognize that healthy relationships are non-negotiable. Number three, we at Overflow believe that the people in your life will lift or limit the potential in your life. And again, Adam could not fulfill his mandate alone. He needed someone to come and lift the potential in his life. He was maxed out. And, uh, you, you know, we've heard statements all along about, you know, that... Show me your friends. I'll, I'll show you who you are. You know, you're going to be just like the people that you're around. And we found this to be true because we understand that people lift us or limit us. And so it's important that we surround ourselves with people that really lift the potential in our life. People that maybe even challenge us sometimes and maybe rub us the wrong way, but, but they're really helping uh, God perfect some things in our life. Number four, we at Overflow, we believe that God has called us together. We believe that through the expansion of time, we believe in, you know, that, that God is is infinite in knowledge. We believe that he's, you know, that he is the great planner. And we believe that he's looked through all the ages and picked out a select group of people to be together for such a time as this to accomplish his, to accomplish his purposes on the earth. And so we believe that God does that in his sovereignty through the expansion and the corridors of time. He says, I want you to be together. I want you to be together. You all are going to be together for right now. This is my destiny for 2013. You're going to be here. You're going to be in this church. You're going to be listening to this message. You're going to be doing these things. So we believe that God has called us together. And number five, we at Overflow believe that people are more important than vision. And that might sound a little bit weird. You might say, well, Josh isn't the vision people. And I think the vision should be people. The vision should be Jesus. And then the vision uh, should be people. But I've, I've uh, seen you know ministries before that they would say that people were their vision, but as soon as someone come along that didn't really serve their vision, they cut the people out. And I felt like that that was kind of contradictory to what they were saying. Uh, our belief is the vision is there to serve the people. And if we're doing that well, then people will serve the vision. So we're not going out and getting people just because they help us accomplish what we want to do. I mean, ultimately, we want them in the kingdom doing what God wants them to do. But 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 our vision is people. We want people uh, to be restored. We want people to be in good relationship. And I feel like that if we're doing our job well, then they'll come alongside of us and they'll help us accomplish that vision. So people are more important than vision. Just a recap of all five of those. We had overflow belief that relationships are God's idea, that healthy relationships are non-negotiable, 
the people that are in your life will lift or limit the potential of your life. We believe that God called us together, and we believe that people are more important than quote-unquote vision. And so what do the people of Overflow Church look like? What, what, what are they? Who are they? What, is, uh, what, are, what are their characteristics? And, I, and I, we came up with this uh, list of, of things that, that we really feel like that this is who we are. This is our identity. Who are we? The, at Overflow, we believe, first of all, that our people are purposeful. That, that they prioritize the kingdom, their their intentions are the kingdom of God, and they are poised for action. So they are purposeful. Last week we talked about the kingdom of God and being kingdom driven in our life, and and so that's where we're at. We believe that that our people are purposeful. We believe that our people, and we're going to declare that our people are people that are living for the kingdom. That if they are seeking the kingdom first above all else, and we know that that God will provide uh, for our needs and, and our desires if we are putting that first. Secondly, we believe uh, and we declare that our people are passionate, that they are pursuant of Jesus and hungry for, to be present-centered. They're hungry to have Jesus uh, be the, the focal point of their life. We take the great commandment seriously. It's just to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are a passionate people. We desire Jesus deeply. We worship intensely. We serve serve intensely. Everything we do, we do with passion because we are a passionate people. Not because we're passionate about specific things, but because we are passionate as part of our character. So we are purposeful. We are passionate. And third, we are potent. We are a potent people. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit and positioned for signs, miracles, and wonders in our life. We are empowered to be God's ambassadors on the earth to demonstrate the kingdom. So that's who our people are. We're purposeful, we're passionate, and we're potent. Fourth, we are a peculiar people. Now, obviously, when we say the word peculiar, we start thinking, you know, odd and different. And we're not peculiar for odd purposes. We're peculiar for God's purposes. God has set us apart. We've recognized that our lives are holy, that we're set aside for holy purposes that were set aside for God's purposes. So we believe that that uh, we are a pure people. We're more interested in, in holiness and pursuing Jesus than we are convenience or comfort. And uh, so we are after that. And number five, we've recognized, and we're not really making this a declaration, but we recognize that we are a problematic people. And so... By that, we're not really making that declaration. Our goal is that the people will be problematic. It's just we're facing the facts. We're embra- We're recognizing that hey, we're problematic. We're we're flawed. We're imperfect. Now we're not going to go get you know Christians aren't perfect. Just for giving bumper stickers and put them on our car. We're not going to make excuses for you know our our shortcomings. And we're we're not we're not happy with the reality that we're problematic. Uh, we just have an objective view on it, and we are working on it. And uh, and recognizing that, understanding that, hey, you know, even though Adam and Eve were, you know, in the garden and they were doing good, you know, they didn't split up over this whole forbidden fruit thing. I mean, they stayed together. And, uh, you know, nowadays, we someone's problematic, they don't work out for us, so we just dump them uh, relationship-wise in a, relationship wise in a marriage or or we do it, you know, at a job, we're not getting along with people, so we quit. But I think that we need to stick it out a little longer, that we need to be committed, just understanding that, hey, people around me have problems, but hey, I have problems too. 
And uh, this is our heart. Our heart is that, that we won't just be a church of people that have it all together. If we do, we're greatly deceived. And uh, if we become the perfect church, then, then we probably ought to just close the doors because we're about to ruin it. Um, but we are seeking for people that are broken, that are needy, that are jacked up. We, we want that because we believe that those are the people that Jesus is going to reveal himself to, that Jesus is going to transform uh, the world. If you look in the Beatitudes, this is, you know, the emphasis of Jesus' message is, man, look at, look at the lowly of society. Theirs is the kingdom because they're the ones that are going to want it. So we are desiring people uh, that have issues. You know, um, hopefully they can come in and, and resist start getting those issues resolved, but we also understand that we in our, our own right have are problematic. So at Overflow, our people are purposeful, our people are passionate, our people are potent, our people are peculiar, and our people are problematic. And we're not making a declaration of that. We're not gonna, you know, go shout that on the rooftops, but it's a it's an understanding, it's a it's a recognition of of our reality currently. So um, the next thing I want to go into is I want to talk about a, a few truths about people. And, uh, you know, I mentioned before in this message that, you know, Leslie and I, have, you know, we've been doing ministry for a while and and we've been around people. And, and there's some things that I've learned over the years about people that I want to share with you uh, today. And, and first of that, first, first of all, is people have favorites and you know, we've heard before that insecure people say that a lot of times, you know, well, you're not supposed to have favorites. But the reality is, is people do have favorites. In fact, uh, my, my favorite person, I married her. And uh, so we marry our favorite person. And let me just remind you, if you are married, that you married your favorite person. And they're still your favorite person. And if they're not, then you need to remember why they are. And uh, people don't gather to be cliques, per se, but we gather around people we click with. And um, so we don't, we're not going to be exclusive, but reality is, is we have favorites. We're going to pick our friends. My mom used to tell me you can you know, pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. The reality is, is we pick our friends and we pick them because they're our favorites. So the second thing about people is people enjoy life givers. We're going to spend the most time around people that give us life, that give us energy. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've come to learn is that complainers are drainers. Complainers are drainers, man. Complaining people will drain you of energy. You get around people that complain all the time, or if you complain all the time, then you are draining the energy of the people around you that are supposed to be there to give you life. So you don't want to run them off by complaining all the time. But complaining is draining, so we want to make sure that we aren't a people that are complaining, but we're life givers, um, because people enjoy life givers, and if people are enjoy us, then we've got to be life givers. Listen, negativity will destroy your ability to make lifelong friendships, and um, you know I've I've heard uh, you know kind of negative people, um, victimized people say things like, well, if they're a good friend, they'll be there no matter what. Yes, that is absolutely true. They'll be there no matter what. But a true friend has a relationship. It's a, it's, a, it's a contribution from both ends. So good friends are there for you through the difficult season. However, you must contribute. And um, we used to uh, serve under a great pastor, Richie Brown, that used to say, um, he used to say, if we don't make time, we, we won't always need friends. But if we don't make time, 
uh, to develop those relationships now. We won't have them when we need them. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that, that we need to make sure that that we're investing in the people that are around us, that we're not just receiving life, but we're giving life. Uh, Number three, people want you to value what they value. You know, the number one word in the English language for every individual is their name. It's their favorite word. And uh, another thing that we find out is that people like to talk about themselves. I like to talk about myself. You like to talk about yourself. So keep let's keep that in mind uh, before we eat up the entire conversation about how much we've done, how much we know, how incredible we are. Uh, people just don't want to hear uh, us talk about ourselves all the time. They want to talk about themselves some. They want us to know what they value. They they want us to hear about their life, us not just talking the entire time. And uh, listen, people don't care about your infinite knowledge on every subject under the sun. So just because you know something doesn't mean that everybody wants to hear it. And uh, sometimes we find value in those things, um, but, but people really want us to value what they value. And, uh, you know, it's true. Uh, we've heard it before time after time again, but people don't care uh, how much you know until they know how much you care. And we know that that's true. And uh, so let's just remember that in our relationships, that people want us to value what they value. Number four, the fourth thing that, that I've recognized about people, another true thing about people, is that correcting people that you're not in relationship with doesn't work. And we've seen this before that, you know, that we we try to correct someone at, you know, a baseball game or we try to correct someone at a grocery store. And I'm not I'm not saying that we don't ever do those type of things, but really it doesn't work. It doesn't work to correct someone that you don't know, that you're not in relationship with. You can't really correct an acquaintance. You know, it needs to be someone that you're in their life. So a lot of times um, people will rub us the wrong way or, or do the wrong uh thing to us and then we obviously want to bring some type of correction in their life but but what we've recognized is it really doesn't work that um, correction without relationship always equals rebellion or correction with relationship always brings restoration and number five I'm going to go into another list here number five is five keys of healthy relationships this is something I, I felt like the Lord gave me several years ago and I've kind of used it as a as something to, to kind of keep in my arsenal to uh, share with people because I believe that these are five keys to, to healthy relationships. If we're going to have healthy relationships, these are, are five things that, that need to be. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. It isn't you know the only list out there. These aren't the only things, but these are five things that will help us uh, in maintaining healthy relationships. And number one is honesty. And what honesty is, is honesty is sincere, truthful communications. Uh Listen, one of the greatest destroyers of relationships is deception, is dishonesty, is lying, um, this type of thing. Uh, and we, we want to make sure that we're doing that. And, and, and part of that is, is being sincere. And the word sincere comes from a word that means without wax, that it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not easy going. It's just this is the way it is. It's cut and dry. So sincere, truthful, that, that what we're saying is true. And then communication. And uh, one thing about honesty is honesty isn't silent. Honesty communicates. So we want to make sure that if we're going to have healthy relationships, that we're honest and we're communicating our honesty. We don't just think honest thoughts, uh, but honesty doesn't really become honesty until it's spoken or demonstrated. Number two is trust. What trust is, is trust is a vulnerable 
confidence. And, you know, when we're asking for honesty from people, there's got to be that trust element to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to trust you, not just what not just that you're going to be honest with me about your opinion, but I'm I'm going to trust you enough to where you can share those things and I'm not going to get offended or I'm not going to get hurt about what you're saying. You know, trust is kind of like an egg. It's it's fragile and once it's broken, it's it's hard to repair. I uh, think about our daughter, Mariah. She's about to be eight years old and man, she is so social and there is so much trust in her life in relationship. I mean, she'll go up to people and you know, and Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, you know, playing on playgrounds and meet new best friends every time she turns around because she is good with this thing called trust because she's never been jaded, she's never been hurt, she's never been broken. Uh, her offenses are easily forgotten. You know, you tell her she, you're sorry and, you know, immediately it's forgotten. And part of that is because she's, you know, young. But I believe that this is the purity that we need to uh, cherish and nurture in our life. Um, and one of the problems is when we don't trust people is we live very guarded. And if we live guarded, not only will we never be healed of the thing that's hurting, but we will also never be the gift to this world that we are designed to be. So that's trust. Honesty, trust, and respect. Respect number three, respect. Respect is recognizing and embracing Differences. Now, when we say differences, we're not talking about ungodly thinking or activity. We do not respect wrong views. We do not respect wrong mindsets. But we love people. And I, I think that there's a, you can do both. You can love people and, and respectfully disagree with a mindset or a view. Um, but when we talk about respect, we're talking about embracing uh, others' strengths. That we're not challenged by their strengths and we don't look down upon them because of their weakness you know I'm a, I'm a graphic designer and when I design stuff uh, or whenever I see other people's designs sometimes I, I have the ability to get challenged especially if I think that it's better than mine and sometimes it can become very discouraging and I shouldn't be discouraged I should be inspired by those things and and it'd be easy for me sometimes to to attack weaknesses in their life because I feel threatened by their strengths and we want to make sure that we're embracing one another's strengths, that, that, that we're not challenged by their strengths. We might be encouraged, we might be inspired, but we're not, we don't feel challenged. We don't feel threatened by other strengths. And also, we don't look down upon people because they're weaker than us in, in certain areas. You know, you might be really good at, uh, at patience, but the people that are around you might not be very patient. Well, you, don't, you want to make sure that you're respecting them and you're not discouraging them because you're like you need to be as patient as I am because then you've just fallen into pride so first Corinthians chapter 12 verse 21 the eye cannot say to the hand I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet I don't need you on the contrary the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it, and if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So respect. Number four is grace. And we're talking about grace in relationships. And grace in relationships looks like treating weakness with tenderness. When someone is weak, uh, 
in, in certain areas, that we treat it with tenderness, that we're not mean about it, that we're not hard-hearted about their issues, but we are treating their weakness with tenderness. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each one of you should, in humility, be moved to treat others as more important than yourself. Each each of you should be concerned. We've got a dog barking in the background. He's in on the message this morning. He says, each of you should be concerned not only with your own interests, but the interests of others as well. You should have the same attitude towards one another that Christ Jesus had, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, by sharing in human nature, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here the scripture is talking about really treating people with grace, treating people uh, as more important than we treat ourselves. And that's a, that's a difficult thing sometimes, but we always want to be on the receiving end of that. But it's important in healthy relationships that we're not just receiving that, but that we're giving that. And if we're both, re- if we are receiving and we are giving, then it's going to create this great harmony that God dwells in. Uh, number five, and this is our last point today. But five is love. And what love looks like in a relationship is it kind of brings all these things that we've been talking about in these five keys, and these four keys, five keys, and it brings them together. Love is really what holds our relationship together. It's, it's the intent of our heart and the demonstration of our actions. It's what love is. And, and we need to be people that are rooted in love. In 1 Peter one twenty two, it says, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. You know, I've heard a lot of times uh, Christians say, refer to people that they hate. And I'm I'm not saying that you might have those feelings in your heart that you need to start dealing with. But to have the audacity to speak out that you would hate someone is is 100% contradictory to the life of Christ, to what God has called us to. We don't hate people. Um, we might have anger in our hearts towards someone. We might have bitterness that we need to get before the Lord. But we need to make sure that we deal with that humbly. And we ask God to help us that we don't, have, we don't fight for our rights to hate. It's ridiculous. But this says that we love each other deeply with all of our heart. I, I remember, you know, talking about the subject. I remember one time being in a in a workshop and the the keynote speaker for the conference we were at was in this workshop and he was talking about one day being in heaven with people he hated and how was he going to deal with that. And I was greatly troubled by that, first of all, because I'm not really sure that you might be there if there's going to be people in the room that you hate. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really judging the man's salvation, but I mean, who are you to have this audacity to speak out about your hate against people? How arrogant and how prideful we are to to use statements like this. Now, Scripture clearly calls us to hate what is evil, but it never says to hate who is evil. And and whenever people have evil in their life and, and hate-filled activity has never done anything for the kingdom, it's 100% against the message of Jesus. So, But it says here in 1 Peter 1.22 to love each other with deeply with all of our heart. And that's how we need to be. If we're going to have healthy relationships, then we've got to love one another deeply with all our heart. And uh, I uh, had the incredible opportunity to serve a, a pastor for 11 years. And... and um, I remember one day he had had a, a granddaughter die, 
and uh, you know it was really difficult on their family and I was really disconnected from the situation we felt for them obviously because we love them as people but after the funeral and everything he came and he sat in my office and he began to weep and up to that moment I had you know I felt for them but I hadn't I wasn't really broken for them I prayed for them and you know uh, all that but here I was sitting in this moment with this man that I love deeply sitting across from me weeping because of this tragedy that had happened in his life about them losing their baby granddaughter and I remember crying with him and I remember in this moment that God was really showing me something in that life. He was, it, it was very good for me to experience this moment because God was showing me that, hey, Josh, you really do love him sincerely. You, you're, you're mourning with those that mourn. And I remember that that was such an important monumental moment in my life of thinking, I think that I can know that I really love someone if I can weep when they weep. I'm not talking about I just feel sad for them, but I can weep with those that weep, that I can mourn with those that mourn. And there's a flip side of that. It's Romans 12:15. It says, rejoice with those that rejoice. And I think sometimes it might be easier for some of us, depending on our temperament, depending on our personalities. Sometimes it might be a little bit easier to mourn with people, but it might be a little harder for us to rejoice. Sometimes we get envious or jealous of the accomplishments of our life, or we think, hey, I've put the work in. I should be the one getting that raise, or I should be the one getting that promotion. We need to make sure that if we really have love for people, that it's being demonstrated also in our ability to rejoice with them, that when we rejoice with them, that, that we are demonstrating love. And so I just encourage you in that, that you would be a rejoicer with those that rejoice, whether you feel a little bit threatened by it or not, and mourn with those that mourn. So five keys, closing up today, five keys of healthy relationships, honesty, sincere, truthful communication, trust, a vulnerable confidence, respect, recognizing and embracing differences, grace, that we treat weakness with tenderness. Number five, we recognize that love holds all these things together. Hey, thanks so much for being faithful and listening to our broadcast. Um, We're really blessed that you do that. And uh, thank you so much. God bless you.